All right, I'm I'm technically recording right now. Just in <laughs> right. case, no pressure. pressure no pr I know pressure. I'm not. I'm if I have this to. This is just a chat between friends. Let's just chat. I'll Zach like, and Cloud. Zach and Cloud. <laughs> Welcome to Screen Looking, a podcast where close friends take a closer look at their favorite video games. I'm your host, Andrew Kuhar, and today I'm joined by my dear friend and co-host, Alex Koval, for our first bonus episode in nearly four years. The same four years that are now bookended by two of what are probably our most anticipated games of all time, 2020's Final Fantasy VII Remake and this week's long-awaited follow-up, Rebirth. Alex and I actually sat down for an hour back then to record our immediate reactions to Remake, our thoughts on the ending, some of the most pivotal changes to the original's iconic opening chapter in Midgar, as well as our theories for the road ahead. We never released it because we always wanted it to be part of a mini-series on FF7, a game that very much defined our friendship growing up. So it means a lot to us, we always wanted to do right by it, but after revisiting this impromptu chat just ahead of Rebirth, we agreed. It's time. Fair warning, this is a spoiler-heavy episode. Not just for Final Fantasy VII Remake, but especially for the PlayStation 1 original source material. So if you're new to FF7, if you haven't completed Remake, or are simply looking forward to jumping in at Rebirth without having played either, this is your final warning. Stick around to the end of the show for more about screen looking, but for now, I think we've waited long enough. Let's mosey. So the funny thing is, and I don't know if you've had the same experience, but like things happen in the game and I'm like shook. I'm like freaking out. Oh yeah, for and sure, I'm, I'm like, I feel like I just had like 10 shots of espresso when some of these things happen. <laughs> like I'm like know, buzzing. Like the whole, um, I mean, we don't have to start here, but like the flashback, the first one or the, oh, yeah. what is it with the, the VR <laughs> scene where you're in like the amphitheater. Um, yeah, man, that but, was nuts. Like when that glitched out, like almost frothing at the mouth with excitement and like <laughs> Hillary kind of was like, she walked into it partway in and saw the meteor. And it was so hard to not just be like, I mean, I kind of told her like, it's basically like you're seeing the ending of the old game. Yeah. It's hard to talk about it without just saying it, but it led to things like when Zach came back at the end, I can't really say, I'm like, do you want to know who he is? And she's like, I think he's I cloud. Know. She's like, I think he's cloud's brother is my guess. Uh, and I'm like, interesting. I was like, that's not a bad guess, but like it, it was anyways, I, I don't know if, did you have that experience with Emma? I think she was like in the, I think she was maybe in the kitchen doing something. Mm -hmm. And that scene came on and I was just like, like, I, I was just like, like, I just got like full body chills instantly. I was just like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, just the way it was, the way that it was like, uh, like direct, that scene was directed just gave me like, it just like strikes instant fear into your blood and you're just like, like, I don't, you know, cause you, you play the old game and you're like, you see like that one cutscene of meteor, like basically coming in at the end and you're like, yeah, that's pretty scary, but you've yeah, never yeah. seen like a fully like digitally 
beautifully ma mastered like realization of this catastrophic event and like you're literally cloud like looking up at the sky and it's like this bright ball of death flying at you yeah with like all those twisters just ripping everything up and it's like oh man it was just it was actually like frightening i mean it was it was the ending it was like you see like the full impact because like all the detail of like you know now that you know the slums and you kind of like recognize midgar as this like hot like fully realized environment just like seeing every piece of metal get twisted and yeah, like the, the building yeah it was like it was really scary and like yeah just seeing meteor come at earth with this like national geographic level photorealism was just <laughs> really scary and, and just like yanking yeah. you out of that beautiful cutscene too which was like I, I, that's what I showed Emma. I was like, oh my God, look at how beautiful this cutscene is. Like mm -hmm. and all the green and like the vibrant colors and the light. And like, then all of a sudden just yanking you out of that and showing you like a glimpse of the apocalypse. It was just so great. Yeah, it was genius. Cause it's like one, you're kind of seeing the world map and seeing like what, like the forgotten city or the lost city and like yeah. temple of the mm -hmm. ancients and stuff. And you're like, okay, like we're, we're basically seeing what's ahead. This is really cool. And then they like weave in clouds, like glitchy memories and like then everyone is suddenly seeing everything and like i don't know i mean i think i was just considering that we're never going to see that stuff for like 10 yeah. 7 to 10 years <laughs> right. and the fact that they just show their hand they're like you know what we're just going to show you the ending of the game in this full res style we're, we're just going to recreate cool it cuz like new players don't really know what all that entails they just know that like this character is going to bring about like this catastrophe somehow but yep. they don't have like the same context. So they're going right. to be like, there's still some mystery there. I think there were, there was a little bit, I mean, the, the whole Shinra chapter, like that last act I thought was like really, really good. And it gets pretty crazy, but I felt like that was the moment, like gallery, whatever it was, um, like the Shinra library, the Shinra, like yeah, the, the, the exhibit. Yeah. Like the exhibit thing. And then when you get to, I was waiting for the the one 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 ten thousandth scale Midgar model because you know the map and the menu is like that. It's like the like three D wireframe, like uh -huh. a green. Yep. Totally a reference to like the thing that Jesse shows you in the train. And then like, yeah, that's so good. And she talks about how this is like Midgar at whatever ten thousandth scale, and then you actually see it. And I just thought they did such a good job of like making it more of a story bridge to what you're about to do versus like this giant like inner level puzzle between the floors of right. Shinra HQ it was, it was great because like they 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 even referenced like the the puzzle because there were like chunks of it missing yeah yeah exactly and yeah and the music that played in that room was the same music that plays during the new games like opening cinematic oh like that sort of like oh, variation yeah. of one-winged angel it's right. really cool right this is Midgar our home Recreated in one ten thousandth scale. As you can see here, the eight Mako reactors form a ring around the center of our city and keep Midgar running day and night. The Mako which flows beneath our feet is a truly limitless resource. At Shinra, we have developed technologies to extract it and transform it into the fuel and electricity that powers everything we do. Thanks to the miracle of Mako energy, our lives are richer and better than ever before. Mako keeps our lights on at night and made Midgar into the city that never sleeps. The triumph of technology and testament to man's potential. Nothing but a bunch of lies. 
Except that Mako has made people's lives better. It's made people blind. Blind to the cold hard truth. Even I used to buy into their bullshit. Remembering that makes me even madder. Oh, I thought that neat. was really well done. That, that whole room seemed like so chilling. When I replayed the old game, I thought that that moment was so poetic now because it's like, okay, we're seeing Midgar at like literally 10,000 like times the scale and like they're showing us Midgar zoomed out. It's like, this is what Midgar was in the old game. It was like this tiny like yeah. model and you like literally are looking at it from the top. And in this game, you're seeing everything like from the ground. Like it's like the old one. There was like that scene with the president looking down through the glass when they drop the plate. You remember that? And it like zooms up. Oh yeah, and zooms yeah, yeah. up, mm-hmm. and then yep. kind of is like the blocky like Lego president, and he just kind of yeah, turns yeah. around. It's really ominous, and I'm like, yeah, like the old game was kind of like looking down at the characters as ants, and this one is like you are like the people on the ground looking up the whole time, looking up. Yeah, and right. I thought that was like such a cool like you get to see Midgar from like the zoomed out perspective, like you always did. So did you really? Was it just me, or is that intro actually Midgar in like? It felt like it was Midgar before the plate was built because like the playground had like all this sunlight and stuff. Was it almost like pre Midgar? Uh, That's a good point. I mean, unless it was just a different playground. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, like there's multiple playgrounds for kids. There's just one playground in in sector six. Yeah. Cause I, (laughs) it's like everybody's Yeah. Everyone's going in the car. We're driving to the one playground. (laughs) There's like this line of like 3000 people trying to go on the cat slide. It's just like, yeah the moogle slide yeah the moogle slide they're like wait your fucking turn like all right it's curfew and the kid like three thousandth in place is like all right we gotta go home now can't go on the slide (laughs) maybe next year but dude like okay like i don't like where do you want to start because like there's the like there's there's like for me there's the main pillars for me right now are like the stuff they kept that was like incredibly well done and like beautifully recreated. Are There's, we just doing the ending right now? We're just talking about the ending. I feel like we should just go into it, but I feel like we'll have to like bounce around to like the flashbacks and everything that's going on with clouds, hallucinations and yeah. stuff. I mean, sometimes when I riff, I can come up with some good stuff. So yeah, Not that, exactly. Exactly. Um. So yeah, like obviously you get to the end of the Midgar Expressway and as opposed to look like kind of jumping down a wire and talking about how we are going to all meet up at calm and going your separate ways. Like you're confronted by Sephiroth and Sephiroth basically opens up this portal to what's essentially, I think it was called the singularity, right? It was like the crossroads of destiny. Crossroads of destiny. Yeah. Which is, yeah. yeah, you basically go in and fight, sort of like the physical manifestation of what would be considered fate in the game. In my opinion, like the way I kind of look at it, and I think that you could make a very strong argument for this is in the original game, we did fight the weapons and the weapons were basically like options of like the planet's immune system trying to like protect it. And in a way, like they, the way that they described this, this fate creature, the arbiter of fate, is is essentially the same thing. Like it's a thing that is trying to protect the planet. Yeah, it's and the, stepping and in like the quote unquote timeline to mm-hmm. so that like everything is everything is preserved and everything turns out okay. Yeah. Everything is the way it should be. Which is exactly what the weapons did. I mean, they came out and they attacked when things were getting out of balance, like they came out and defended 
the earth against these, you know, humans or Sephiroth or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, I don't really see that big of a difference there. I get that. Like you're going into some weird alternate portal reality thing. And yeah, yeah. At the same time, like, I mean, if we're looking at final fantasy as a series, as like a series of games, um, I mean, look at eight, like with like the whole time crunch thing. (laughs) Yeah. and time compression and nine at the end and 10 did two like i mean it's not uncommon for final fantasy games to get like super abstract and heady yeah i think that take a sip of this coffee yeah (laughs) um so yeah when that all happened um my first thought was you know i was really looking forward to getting to the end of the highway and there's that promo shot of all the characters looking off into the sunrise right and, oh, that's such a beautiful shot. And it, yeah, it's, and it's like the recreation of that moment where like, you know, you're at the edge of Midgar, you're on the run, targets are on everyone's back because of all, all the stuff that just happened at Shinra, the president's dead, kind of looks like you did it, you know Sephiroth's out there, Aerith is interested in her her lineage, it's just like, there's all these reasons to go outside of Midgar, and I think it's just such a great, like, the game is so straightforward up to that point. And then you just get out to the world map and you realize like there's so much more. And I think it was just such a like watershed moment in a lot of kids growing up gaming experience of like you play a game for that long. And even back then, like an eight hour campaign felt pretty long. And I, for a lot of people, this was people's first JRPG. So it felt like, okay, like I, you don't realize it's going to be like a 40 plus hour game at least. And yeah. I, there's, just, there's just that <clears throat> moment. It's like very poetic and it's very atmospheric. And it's like the first time your characters get to rest after like Mako reactor missions and the sort of espionage stuff of breaking into Shinra. And so I was like really looking forward to that moment of just like, one, how are they going to depict them climbing down like a wire out of Midgar? And two, just like, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to, everyone's been wanting to know, like, how are they going to resolve the world map issue because you kind of have to introduce it the moment you get out of Midgar. And I think that was just going to like sort of signal the fans that they had it under control. And then you get to the edge of the highway and yeah, not only is Sephiroth there, which he was never there before and he's been teased way more. You almost see him like more throughout the Midgar chapter than you do most of the game. I, I could argue. Yeah, for sure. So like mm-hmm. they've, they've kind of earned that. And so like you get there and like, and he's kind of inviting you to like change fate and change your destiny in a way. And it seems like there's a pseudo awareness that he has of like, he knows what's going on. Like he knows he fails maybe. And he's aware of the events. Like I was reading a lot about right. that, which I'm like, is that really going on? I have to rewatch it. And it's kind of meta. Cause it's now like you're fighting the like desire for the game to just stay the way it was. And it's both yeah. like, yeah, I don't know. I, I wanted to see it, but I wasn't ready. Um, <laughs> but I loved it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, so like you know, all throughout the sort of like Midgar chapter, you are sort of and throughout the game, but particularly in the Midgar chapter, like you're shown moments where like people and not just Cloud, like everybody gets this sort of like pictures of the future, and the future is like the future of the original Final mm-hmm, Fantasy game. Mm-hmm. Like you see Red Thirteen and his Cubs running. You see like you know, uh, I'm trying to think what else. Like you see, I mean, the, the scene with Holy. You see, like, yeah, holy mirror and all that stuff. Yeah. And so you're, and I think those are like specific memories that are shown to you by Sephiroth Mm. in order to, for Sephiroth to force the party to into thinking that 
if things play out in the way that they're going to play out, it's going to be very bad for everyone. Mm. So mm. he's almost showing you, he's showing you like bits and pieces. It's like if you were to show somebody like parts of the dark, like, <laughs> no, like parts of the dark night. And it's like only the parts where the Joker is mm. like doing evil things, but you don't show like how Batman ultimately triumphs in the end. And like that the message is ultimately that like people don't like succumb to vile acts in light of chaos. Mm. They band together. But if you show them all the evil that happens, they would think we need to stop this stuff from happening because the future looks bleak. And so they go in and they fight the Arbiter like because oh. they, the only thing they know is that the future is going to be horrible. They see the meteor. They see Red 13 in a like desolate landscape with no humans there. They, you know, they see like the holy thing. They see Aerith, like Cloud sees Aerith, Aerith dying. And like, I think Aerith is like aware that she's going to die, you know, like. Yeah, the scene with the tear and everything. Yeah, so it's like, <clears throat> you know, you have all that stuff. And I think it's like him basically saying he's trying to like plant the like plant the memories or plant the visions in their head so that they basically kill fate for him is how hmm. I took it. So it's um, kind of like he's kind of like incepting them a little bit, like trying to get yeah. them to think that like if they stay on the path they're on, they will fail. But they don't, yeah, they don't like know basically succeed. if they stay on the path that they're on, then the world will come to an end. And yeah. so he, huh. he's getting them to like rewrite history. I didn't think about that, that like he was, huh? Yeah, because he, does, yeah, seem, he so, does seem acutely aware of what's going on. Yeah. And that's kind of what so that's kind of like the the hinge that everything rests on that I'm still trying to make make sense of is like both 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 Aerith mm. and Sephiroth have awareness of something right like definitely they both seem to kind of know that something's going on that like there is like a future in which events transpire i don't really like alternate timeline stuff really um unless you set it up i really hope that this game does not go down that path so i'm trying to i'm trying to like in my mind reason out a way where mm -hmm. it can be one one timeline and this is how I kind of reason it is that Aerith and Sephiroth both have connections to the live stream. Mm -hmm. Aerith because she's a Cetra and Sephiroth because he's in he's infused with Genova cells and has a connection with Genova and Genova polluted the live stream. Right. So my thinking is that because they both have like tapped, they have a, a connection into the live stream and the live stream is essentially like the soul of the planet. And the arbiter of fate is also I mean, you don't really know, but I'm assuming that it's some sort of manifestation of the planet as well, like a weapon. Yeah, it's like it's like trying to preserve. It, it knows that like yeah. events that play out in time can like be to the detriment of the planet's health. Right. So I'm kind of I'm kind of thinking that because like those three points are all are all connected via the same thing, like the planet. They can somehow like see into each other. Mm. Um. I don't know. I don't, you kind of like Harry Potter and Voldemort. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, you know I mean? yeah, yeah, no, it's They can it. like see into each other's like, but they can only see bits and pieces. Yeah. And I think that like Sephiroth is able to see possibly more. Because if you remember in the original game, like we do see Sephiroth before we get to the Northern Crater, but the real Sephiroth is in, in the Northern Crater and the, in the, in the Sephiroths we yeah. see are just Genova hallucinations of Sephiroth. Yeah, basically. like even the one that, you know, even the one that kills Aerith is like 
is yeah, a projection right. apparently like i didn't even know that in the original game until i was rereading about it going into this i was just brushing up on some of like the more in- the intricacies of that stuff like how was he able to be here and there all at the same time and i think what helps me make sense of this and i kind of hope they explore this i think there is a a canonical out for them and i'm i'm like i i have a hope that is split two ways. One is that I hope that this is them just really overdoing it to like give themselves license to change some things. They know themselves like, well, in order for X, Y, Z thing to work in Midgar, we had to change, you know, A, B and C thing. And they're giving themselves creative license. And I think they realize that creative license is going to continue to have to expand. And so I think this is them partially being like, we're giving ourselves some kind of runway um right could we could we hit the same milestones in a different way that feels like logical because maybe if they you know if you recreate like the scene in the mako reactor number one the way it was it would feel like it's not a reactor it would it it works in the old game but they had to change so many things and it's like this ripple effect so i get that they're like we need to give ourselves permission and this is them canonically giving themselves permission yeah, it's it's basically yeah. like it's almost like a get out of jail free card because in my eyes because like because like if they're like well it's a different game they don't go to Junon in this game they go to they go directly to you know wherever uh, Costa de Sol or whatever yeah they could do that um, and they could say like you know they could make some storyline justification of it and then we never see Junon which would be really a bummer. However, in the original game we do go to Junon twice. So, like, you know, if we eventually get there in the next game, for whatever reason, like, I'm open to that. I think that, like, they can rewrite things how they want as long as they, like, keep, like they did in this game, the main storyline beats and the characters and the locations. Like, Mm -hmm. you can keep all the, like, things that we know and love, You can, but you can arrange them in any order you want, or you can, like shove one aside to to do it later it kind of reminds like it kind of reminds me of like an re mm-hmm. <laughs> remake like you get to the second fight with yawn and you're like where it should be and you're like wait a second this isn't this this isn't right it's not here right and right you find him later on in the game it's like and it's good to mix things up as long as you don't take things out exactly and and exactly. use that license that you you're giving yourself to like cut corners like you know perhaps another remake has done because <laughs> they just yeah. oh man they just nailed this one Given what they've done, because like they've they have changed things about Midgar. They've like added things. They've kind of moved things around a little bit. Um, they've you know changed some characters' motivations slightly, but not that much. To me, it feels like ninety five percent what I remember and more. Yeah, and I'm like, which is incredibly impressive. Yeah, and so it's like if this is like the new like unit of measurement you created to 
compare against and now they also have the fans reactions to measure against like okay they were willing to like go down that rabbit hole with us is this canonical like alternate pseudo alternate timeline necessary because like say they get to like part seven or whatever it's gonna end up being but i feel like it's gonna (laughs) take that long it's gonna last the whole next council generation and by that point i feel like they'll want to get us sid vincent yuffie for different reasons yeah And and I feel like they're going to have to be playful with that so that, one, the game can still function as a good game experience, and two, we get enough time with these characters where it's like, well, now that we've changed things, like, you know, we can't just insert, like, the same amount of salt into this meal. Like, it doesn't work. We have to, Mm -hmm. like, break it up in a more nuanced way. So it's like, I guess what I'm asking again is, like, do you feel it's actually going to maybe, it's necessary to, like, go to this length? I don't think I don't really think so, because when you think of it, like. Things were changed even in even before all the ending stuff happened, like we still got to go to Jesse's house, which we never Mm. got to do. You know, we still saved Wedge, which we never got to do, you know, and do all this stuff with Johnny in Walmart, like Chocobo (laughs) Sand. Like there's a lot of different things in this game before all that fate stuff even happens. So like. To wedge that fate stuff in there is isn't doesn't really seem necessary to me. Um, what I'm hoping that they do is I'm hoping that they they do keep everything like in terms of locations, characters, main plot points. They can shuffle things around. Like maybe you meet Yuffie and Junon. Maybe Kate Sith appears earlier. Maybe I don't know. Like. I, anything basically like yeah. shuffle it around like i'm fine with that i'm i'm hoping that they go the sort of because you know they lean in the ending really heavily into Aerith being the one to be like she says she has a line she's like we can we can do this we can change it we can make it right and i'm and i think to myself like but she has she knows kind of what's going on like yeah she, she has a win and awareness yeah Right. And I'm, and I'm thinking, like, I, it could be possible that, like, you know, now that they're no longer, quote unquote, bound by fate, they're they are technically like free to make their own decisions. And Aerith says something, Aerith says something like, um, you know, beyond this is like boundless, terrifying freedom. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Sephiroth says, like, be careful beyond this, like, doesn't exist yet. Um, mm-hmm. And those are like really powerful lines, which I think are really great. And what I'm hoping they do with that is that, like, now that these characters are, are portrayed as being, like, quote unquote, absolutely free and not at the fate of, like, the planet's will, mm-hmm. I'm hoping in a way that they go on and actually try to stop the future that they saw from happening, but in trying to stop it, actually bring it about. Yeah. That's a technique yeah. that's actually used in a lot of, like, Greek tragedy. Like, oh, yeah, totally. Like Oedipus, Oedipus Rex, like, he'll try to, like, he tries to avoid that throughout the entire play, but by avoiding it ends up bringing it about. And I think that's like, and you know, there's like Shakespeare yeah. and stuff like, you know, Macbeth and stuff like that, that prophecies can be very, the, the nebulousness and like the uncertainty of pro- prophecies, I think is what makes them so interesting. And like the, these characters are almost being shown a prophecy. And I'm hoping that they very cleverly, allow the characters to make choices that make them heroic. Maybe somebody sacrifices themselves Mm -hmm. and they bring about a similar, if not same 
sort of resolution to the yeah. game, to the to the thread yeah. because i think that like you know it's one thing to say like these characters are bound by fate and expectation and they have to behave this way and it's another it's another to put them in totally different scenarios and have them navigate that in the w- in ways that are true to their characters so much totally. so that they end up you know there's this like nietzschean quote that or um uh, heraclitus i think yeah. it's like a character is fate like character is destiny yeah and it, the whole idea is that like who you are as a person pretty much dictates the course of your life mm. and i like that idea i mean character. yeah and these characters are so so good I think a way that they can be true to the game and be true to the characters, because so much of this game is about, um, I think Final Fantasy IX is about this as well too, is just identity um, and like purpose in the world, um, like purpose in people's lives and like making a difference. And Mm -hmm. I think like Cloud's story is all about that. So I think like him, it's, it's gonna be hard for them to like do things that are un- true to the characters even if they do go through different events and go through different challenges um but i think that the entire thing that happens in the middle of final fantasy 7 where cloud gets like stuck in the live stream for a bit and has that coma and like does he wind up in medeal he like washes mm-hmm. up yeah. i think that is a prime get out of jail free for anything they do that seems like even more kooky than what they just did because <laughs> i think Everything that happens up to that point, um, other than like Meteor getting cast, I think is like if they move that around strategically, so much of that coma is him going and piecing back his memories, right? And mm-hmm. I think there is an argument to be said that they have they have an option up their sleeve that everything that we are playing right now is Cloud piecing through his memories, and that's why you're seeing future flashes. Right. So like maybe there will be a point where we get to that moment, and it's like, oh my god, like... Meteor still got cast. Aerith still got killed. And he's like still trying to like forgive himself for like not being able to stop this and like not protect people. And maybe that's why like he's drifting through his memories and reliving the game and like trying to convince himself, just like the players were, that there was a way to like prevent certain things from happening, most of all Aerith's death. And like, oh, interesting. You know, like, because there's that, there is that thread in the old game, but like, I think there's like, there's both a meta thing and there's just like they could really truly get out of everything where like maybe the game snaps, snaps back into place so that even if they do something that's like, whoa, that was not in the old game. It's like, well, that's how Cloud thought he remembered it. And that gives that us the freedom. So, that would be so messed up. But right. Awesome if they did that. like if because he's only in that state for a while. But I think if they're like, well, why would he just go back to his childhood and why would he just go back to these moments in Nibelheim? Wouldn't he be going back through all the trauma he just experienced? And then that also gives them total freedom because it's like maybe Cloud is an unreliable narrator and we're seeing it through his eyes. But then like he wakes up and like meteors in the sky and it's like, dude, nothing you thought you like Cloud, you can't change things like you can change the present. You can't change the past. And like that could be a really powerful storytelling device that they hold back 
So that's okay. my one theory that I hope they explore. But it brings up everything with Aerith because it's like, that feels like to me, you can't, I feel like I'd like to know what you think the untouchables are, but to me, I think that's in everyone's mind, the untouchable. I think, I mean, I 100% think that again, I say that in my opinion, they've done an incredible job with this game. It could have been so much worse. It has some minor flaws, but as a remake, I'm incredibly impressed with it. Yeah. It's, I don't want it to end. I keep, I'm going to about to start my hard mode playthrough. Like, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, like, to not have that moment happen, I mean, they have to know that it would just be like an absolute outrage. It's like one of the most iconic moments in video games. Oh, it, it basically is. It's like it, it just showed you that this game was like thinking 10 steps ahead and you were like you thought everyone was safe. <laughs> and it, I don't know. It was just such a like mature move to make. And it also like has such um a meaningful impact on the story. Like I've, I've read a lot of people just, you know, this really, I feel like one of the other things that maybe they're just trying to do with this, hopefully intentionally or not, is just put players on watch because it might, yeah. it might mm -hmm. allow that moment, even if they just still find a way to land there, it'll still feel somewhat surprising. Like, I think it's like in, they're inserting doubt in a player's minds right now. I do. I do think it's like, we want to make people feel like they don't know what's coming. Mm -hmm. But that being said, I mean, would I still play the game? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, I think it's 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 like there's that quandary in the old game of like once you lose Aerith and you start counting on her as a healer and stuff like that and you like leveled her up, it's like, wait, no, I mean, I probably just got like cast a Phoenix down, right? And it's like, yeah. no, like uh, it'd be your interesting in this in this imagination, imagining of it, because then like who who fills that role really? Maybe like red. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, it's who feels like the caster role really because she's like by far the best caster. Yeah, in the game. I think the other thing that's a little um, bit scary is like, do you think they'll introduce like a new character to the party? I get the criticisms of all the characters, the new characters. Oh man, I don't want to get like too deep in the weeds, but speak your truth. If we're just if we're just if we're just if we're just winging it, yeah. I, I personally like looking back at the original game. Like there are some ridiculous characters in that game <laughs> and it works because they're cartoony but like even don corneo is ridiculous like and there are characters that like dance around like like do little jigs together <laughs> like little dance quartet like it's it's crazy it's a goofy funny game and like yeah at first i was yeah. like oh my god this roche character i cannot with this guy but then like I was playing and I and then I I kind of just like let myself like sink into it. I'm like, actually, this voice actor is doing a really good job, and this character is ridiculous but hilarious. Yeah, the way he like talks a lot about dancing and stuff. Yeah, and the way like Cloud drives by and he's just like <laughs> when he does like the little chef's kiss. I'm yeah. like, I can get down with this. And then like Johnny with his freaking like leather jacket with no shirt on underneath, just being like, bro, bro, bro. Oh, come on, bro. Like, just like the old game is ridiculous in that way. Like it is ridiculous. I, I mean, and these characters yeah. are ridiculous, but they're like, 
they they I could imagine them in like blocky polygon polygonal form being ridiculous characters in the old yeah game. I I, rem- I was telling you like I remember like there's moments in this game where you hear like very similar if not verbatim lines of dialogue said or then you hear like brand new pieces happening and like my brain was doing this out-of-body experience where I could like imagine what this would look like if they just recreated this and like demade it into the old game (laughs) and i'm trying to like would this work like when you don't hear the words and you're at like this isometric like bird's eye view does this like feel like final fantasy 7 and almost every time i'm like yeah it kind of does because like i know it did i think it does too like there's so many weird characters in the old game like it's like yeah if you recreated them all this is what they would look like for better or for worse this is how they would be behave I don't, it has a vibe. I mean, I don't want to say it's just like extra, but it's like, <laughs> it's got, no, I mean like, it's got know, this Paul, When you think about like the Shinra cabinet, like Palmer, Heidegger and Scarlet, like they were ridiculous in the original game. Oh yeah. And they've actually toned them down a bit. I would say in this game. Yeah. Like the game has a strut to it. It has like a self-awareness of how confident it is in itself. Yeah. I mean, there's some crazy shit that happens in that game. Um, I just think about the guy that runs the gold saucer, um, who just walks around basically in like a speedo and like <laughs> back then we're like, yeah, totally. I mean, no problem. <laughs> no problem there. And in <laughs> yeah, this game, bro. that guy's going to walk up to you and you're gonna be like, Whoa. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. This dude is like packing heat. Like So true. Um, I don't know. The characters felt so true. Like, and at times I thought they like transcended what they were. And it just felt like, yeah, I'm back with these characters again. This is like, this feels right. Oh my right. God, they were perfect. They were so good. Every single one of them was just exactly how I imagined them. It's it's honestly incredible. Like, I don't know how they managed to do it. Cloud's kind of like snarky, kind of sounds younger, like kind of like a snarky, like maybe like early 20 something. I love his voice actor that now. Sounds like, yeah, Tifa is like more like compassionate, kind of like has like a lower, more soothing voice. Eris is more like bubbly and kind of like softer. Uh, Barrett's like loud and bombastic and just like cursing up a storm. And Red 13 has like a very like peaceful, kind of serene, stoic voice. Like everything just perfect. Yeah. Man. It's, and Sephiroth was amazing. Like, oh my God. Like every Rufus, like all I don't the know Turks. You, uh, yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. The Turks were great. Like, I don't know if you, um, I don't know if you saw this happen in your fight with Sephiroth, but like he casts, there was one point where he, ca- you know, how he casts like those infusion spells that like mm-hmm. make his weapon elemental. Yeah. Right. He cast, he cast like fire infusion one time and he was like, Oh, the memories. And I was like, Oh, that's fucking dark. Oh, like, because I'm evil. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, that's so dark. But it was like really well done. I was like, shit. And then like, and then like as soon as he said that tifa was just like punching him yeah dude that fight like i I gotta say i was like getting a little worried they were going to show too much of the nibelheim incident with all the flashbacks i thought they did just the right amount like they did because i try to imagine this game if it was just exactly the beats like maybe trim some of the side quests and like get rid of all the sephiroth references until the end and get rid of like all the flashbacks that are super literal and like in the old game, it was just like the screen would go crazy and cloud would just like kind of like shake and you knew something right. was up. And like when it's a six hour thing, you can get away with those like little sub- like supplemental messages. And even if you took all that out, it would still be like 20 to 30 hours. I think if you did most everything oh, yeah. and I'm like, like you kind of need to inject some like carrot on the stick a little bit. Like you have to add some mystery at some point because when you're asking people to like stick with you that long, Right. And you're asking fans who have waited this long 
I'm like, yeah, and especially new players too. Yeah, it was a pretty brave choice to be like, you know what? Let's let's give them some Sephiroth. Like, let's give them some like Nibelheim moments because like we know people are like wondering what's gonna happen. So let's just like let's throw them a bone here and like do it in a way that shows that like it's not exactly what they think it is. I just thought that was really it was cool that they like rewired Cloud's flash moments to be like well what would, what did he see i just like that they're asking that what if stuff like what what what's going on holy shit dude that final battle with sephiroth was like oh my god I, it was so I kept trying to convince myself it wasn't going to happen, uh, that we weren't going to uh, fight him, and then it did, and it's like, it was like that Kingdom dude. Hearts moment where it's like, here we go. Oh my god, I was so worried that it was going to turn into, like, basically the final battle with him, with, like, Safer Sephiroth and Pizarro Sephiroth, and I was like, no, please don't do that, please. It's too much. I was like, yeah. make, I was like if you're going to go there, just make it him. Like, just make it him with the sword, done. Yeah. And that's exactly what it was. Him just casting fight, like casting spells, attacking with his sword. Like I was just like, yes, this is exactly what I want. And I thought it was just going to be him versus Cloud. I'm like, I'm I'm so dead. Oh yeah, it was it was up, scary, dude. I lost it. Like I was so excited to see the two of them like square off against him together. I was like, yes, that that alone so was so much payoff. Like, yeah, oh she's like, can I lend a hand? And it's like. Yeah. or maybe tifa said that but yeah when eric How she's like did you miss me and cloud's like not really, really? kind of chuckle <laughs> yeah and then she's like he's like he's tough and she's like yeah so what screw him and i was like fucking it's on right now I, 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 did you miss me no really <laughs> he's tough yeah so what screw him let's do this when he like when it you know the camera does that thing where you can tell it's about to go right back in the end game and you're not safe anymore like you're on the hook all of a sudden oh yeah and yeah, when it yeah. when it pan around cloud during the sephiroth thing i'm like you're fucking kidding oh yeah i know i know and it's so great it's such a great feeling like when you see that pan and you're like oh it's putting like the battle camera behind me and yeah you're like it's fucking on did you and have the like well, tell me this did you have the buster sword equipped i did yeah so did i so so when you got to when you got to the edge of creation did it like recreate the shot yeah i lost my mind i lost my mind that was so great that was it was like i I, i'll never look at that shot ever the same again neither will i i i just like almost dropped my controller i was like no like i was like it was so like moving and exhilarating and yeah god so many things I mean, like that whole sh- that whole scene with like him and Sephiroth, like on that like on that like floating crater, was like serene and beautiful. I was like, holy crap! I wish I could take a screenshot of this because this is like, like my eyes are on fire. This is so cool. I wonder if that's like meteor that you land on, like, oh, like if that's like like the unsummoned meteor or some shit. Oh, that's that's crazy. Like. That was my first thought because that that scene never had like physicality. It was just this like right. It dark, was just like darkness. There, yeah, right. Um, but dude, that final I got I actually died I think once or twice. That was a legitimately oh, really? hard bat. Yeah, the first time I definitely died because like there came a moment where it did come down to just Aerith, and I was like, "Are they setting me up? Like, are they like literally like we like they?" Yeah. It felt like so self aware, and like when Aerith got into battle, I was like. 
I was like, I'm so glad you're here, but I'm so terrified that you're actually going to die right now. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, when he does that, like heartless angel attack, like that's pretty much if you're in that, you're that's pretty it. much screwed. I mean, like you get taken down to one HP. So if you don't like heal yeah. real quick, you're pretty much dead. But yeah, I know that fight was, and I loved how there would be moments where like you would team up with whoever was in your party. Like, I think there's one point where like Cloud like hits Sephiroth up into the air and then Aerith uses like Ray of Judgment on him. Yeah. Like, yes. And then oh. he like slams him back down to the ground. He like slams him through a crater or slams him through like a, like a piece of rock. And then they like both start attacking him again. And then Tifa comes to the rescue. And I think it's cool that they... They made it so that, like, I think it's whoever's in your party when you go into that final encounter is who ends up showing up. Okay. Because I've seen I've seen people, I've seen, like, every different combination. Like, Barrett shows up first, then Tifa. Tifa shows oh. up first, then Barrett. Eric shows up first, then Tifa. Tifa shows up first, then Eric. Like, yeah, so, like, they can, each character can save you, like, at multiple points, and they come in. That's really um, cool. But I got the same one that you did where it's Aerith and then Tifa. And it was yeah. like so perfect. That felt right. It was like the, the, the triad. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was so good. And then like that final like moment when you actually do beat him and Cloud like leaps off like those 20 different like floating crater <laughs> yeah, like rocks. Right. And then just like Red 13 does his little spin attack. And then yep. Tifa like punches one of the guys. And they just, yeah. Oh, so good. I noticed like. And like, do it. And he just jumps yeah. up. And... Yeah. Just gives him like the oh, ultimate epic. braver. I, I gotta say, like after seeing all the limit breaks, I'm like, when they get to Omni Slash, it's gonna be Clown Town. It's gonna be like a five minute animation, and like <laughs> Omni Slash is gonna be like, like a have you th- a three have you movie. have you gone back and watched the old Omni Slash since? Oh yeah, yeah. It like it looks like oh dude, I have oh, that, that was cute. I have that animation like I have that animation forever ingrained in my brain because whenever I beat Emerald Weapon, I would I would go and. Cloud's limit break, and then I would just continually use mime materia. So I've I would just like omni slash emerald weapon until he would use that move that just wipes your entire party. Dude, it would be like six omni slashes. Dude, so funny. It's like funny rewatching that because it's like it could like exist in like a gif, and like it's all it's like <laughs> I I went back and watched him like oh that's cute. Yeah, that whole ending was such a roller coaster, and like I really loved Aerith's, yeah. Aerith's closing line too a lot. Oh my god, it was so good. Yeah, I thought it was so good. I miss it. The steel sky. And to me, like, that represents, not to get all symbolic and stuff, but like, Mm -hmm. to me, like, it kind of means, like, she misses having like that that like sort of safety net above her. Um, yeah, yeah. In a sort of metaphorical sense, like she she knew she felt safe with like the familiar, and now she's kind of like in this unfamiliar territory where anything can happen when when it starts to rain. And I never thought about this because in the old game it just didn't portray it. I didn't think it portrayed it accurately or well, but I never really like understood that the upper lower plate thing. Like they kind of mentioned it a couple times, and I'm like, I don't really understand. In this game, like, it, it makes a very clear delineation, like, no, there's, like, an upper level and a lower level, and you have to, like, it's hard to get from one to the other, and it takes yeah. time, and rich people live up top, and the poor people live down it's below. It's kind of like Parasite, but, yeah. Um, yeah, it's very Parasite-esque, but um, I never thought to myself, like, they would never be able to feel rain because the upper plates above them all the time. Yeah, it's always they barely like an umbrella. Even sun. So, That's true. Yeah, so, like, when they when they all feel the rain, they're all, like, wait what is this, this? is Except weird like red 13 and cloud I yeah 
it's like they forget what the rain feels like and it's like that's really a cool idea you know yeah it's very um it, it's very like a post-apocalyptic movie like mad max or like a dune or something like where people are so unfamiliar with something that's so natural to us they it feels foreign to them i think that was really well done yeah yeah i love and they, the like, way she yeah. says that final line was so like like melancholic or something yeah it was really well performed yeah i love i just i thought that was like such an unexpected like touching ending um yeah definitely i felt like remakes seem pretty well defined going into things and like i think what's happened with a lot of remakes lately is and especially the resident evil ones is like they really um have shown like ways to like flex the muscle a little bit more and i think this one just kind of like ruptured the structure of what you could do even so far as like people suggesting that like titling this one remake and not like remake part one but just remake is like also a little bit of a poetic titling that they've learned to play with they are remaking their own story and they're like remaking like the characters are remaking the like their destiny I think that there's something to be said about like honoring something and still having like creative exploration and like they don't know what they're going to do next because that's part of what making the original was and I think that's just such a like careful line to toe but I think lines like that at the end of the game where they like sort of show their gratitude for the old game and the structure it gave them and like that it's like okay there are aspects about living like under mid like the plates of Midgar that like shaped who we were and i think that's like what that line means in a way yeah Mm -hmm. and i just think that game had so many touching moments like that where like it it's it speaks volumes to people who played it like us when we were growing up and like we're very formed by this game is like a serious narrative experience and like i personally i got so choked up playing this game like multiple times Cause it's oh, like yeah. the music oh, swells definitely. at the right moment or the characters say something exactly how you remember it, but the performance adds a twist. Cause it's just uh-huh. like, I didn't realize how impactful this game was until this moment. Like I knew, but like just confirming it is as important as I thought it was to me personally. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to see like the emotions that the original game was able to convey because with just like the simple character sprites and the dialogue, because like, like I was saying, I think the most amazing thing about this game is that like everything feels exactly like I remembered it. But how is that possible? Because like these characters yeah. in this game are so much better developed, are so much more like graphically realized. This same with the environments, same with the sound, like everything. But they were it's like they it's like they like collectively looked into our childhood imaginations and like abstracted out like these beautiful renderings that we mm. our imaginations gave us. Um and it really goes to show you like i don't know i guess just like how like like you were saying like how much the game really means to people because i was i was kind of expected and worried that i was going to come to certain iconic moments in the game and i was gonna be like yeah that just felt super fan servicey or it just felt like really over the top and they're just trying to make up like the same make us feel the same thing we felt the first time but all of the all of the moments genuinely to me felt like they were given just the right amount of like reverence. It was mm-hmm. never like it never felt like super bomb. I mean, it felt like a little actiony and a little bit like climactic, but it never felt mm-hmm. like obtuse. But yeah, like I I really do think that I I was amazed at how much reverence all 
and yeah, it definitely led to some chills, like coming across Seventh Heaven for the first time, going into the first Mako rea Mako reactor, getting to the Shinra building, and Cloud like reaches back and grabs his sword. You yeah, know, like, the shot, shot, like the shot, the church. Oh man, the church <sighs> got me. Yo, oh my God, the church, Jesus. One thing I did want to mention is, you know, I understand like the whole, I understand that some people were like purists and they don't want any of the fate stuff. I get it. Mm -hmm. Totally understand. But I think it's important to know, I think it's important to note that the way that the game ends is technically the exact same way that the Midgar section ends. If you, in, in terms of overall progression, it is, we know Sephiroth's out there. We know he's up to no good. We have to stop him. Mm -hmm. And like, everybody's on board. And yep. that's like, I mean, honestly, that's how the Midgar section in the original game ends. Yeah, they know a little bit more about it. Like they, they know he's, they fought him. They know kind of what he's up to. Like in a way they went through all the fate stuff. But at the same time, like that stuff might not come back into play at all. All that fate Yeah, stuff. I kind like, of felt like it was like say, another boss they killed. It's like, we're done. We're moving on. Like fate's not in our way anymore. Right. right. It, it felt like they had to, it was their way of justifying change. Um and even right. in the old game, like you get to the end of the highway and like, like you just destroy this giant robot, and then it's just like suddenly the like calm Midgar, like melancholy score swells in, and like Barrett's just like, "What are you gonna do now?" And he's like, "I gotta find Sephiroth." And it's like in the old game, it does work, but like at that point, Cloud has like more than enough motivation to go find him now. And in the old game, like you really only like get the glimpses of him like with the dragging of Genova and stuff, and like the like some of the hallucinations like it's pretty subtle in the old game and i think it was like i think for cloud to like have that deeply embedded trauma some he's he's not telling the player something like his motivation is so strong that it's like even those few glimpses of sephiroth it's like that's all i care about now and i think in this one yeah. it really like it's almost like they were asking themselves like well is that enough to like motivate a character to just like do a 90 degree turn to like this other you know, you go from like trying to take down Shinra and being a merc and making these friends to like, I got this other errand I have to go do. So I think they're really trying to like make it clear like why Cloud is so motivated to go after him and like make it the party's mission as well, not just Cloud's. Right. But it does end. It's and that's the way it ends. It's just I think they really wanted it to like resonate um, in a very very clear way this time. I thought the ending was surprisingly expertly handled. It could have been so much. Again, I say. It could have been so, mm -hmm. so much worse. Like, did I love all the fighting the Arbiter Fate stuff? Not really. Did I love fighting <laughs> Sephiroth? Actually, I had a real, I had a fucking blast and it was so Me great. Me too, yeah. It was such a fun and engaging fight and it felt like there were stakes involved. And honestly, how they wrapped it all up with him being like, I liked the moment between him and Cloud. Like, I liked the sort of taunting. I liked the dynamic there. I thought it was well done. I don't really have like a ton of criticisms on it. And, and I swear to God, I thought this game was going to be a fucking train wreck for a moment. I was like, there's no way it's going to be that good. When there's was the, no when, way it's going to be When was the moment good. you like got like, you got worried? Because I feel like we came out of the demo being like, wow, they have this under control. Like, I'm not worried anymore. And then I remember you being like, uh, there might be some weird I shit think going so. On. I mean, some of the trailers, some of the line delivery in the trailers had me kind of being like, 
oh god the voice acting please let it be good um but it was the way that the trailers were cut that i because when i actually got to those moments in the game i was like no that was perfectly fine i loved it Mm -hmm. um and once you get to know the characters you get to know like their personalities you're more like okay with them saying stuff like when roche is like push it, let's push it past the red line i'm like oh god this is gonna be this is gonna be a train wreck <laughs> then when you actually like see it in game you're like no this character is ridiculous i could totally see him in the original game just being like a goofball crazy character like one-off character yeah and i'm actually kind of this, this voice actor is so like committed to the making this character ridiculous that i'm totally into it um and i get that people like don't like him and find him obnoxious but like to those people i would say Go back and play the original game and tell me if you don't encounter like you you meet you meet some truly fucking weird people in that game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh yeah, I mean I I mean I, and then so the other thing is that when I heard that the ending kind of slips into Kingdom Hearts territory, I started to worry, but I I see like how people might not like it because they wanted like a pure remake, which is fine. But I think that what they're giving us is also okay and if we ever want to go back and play the original game we can do that yeah they're basically like literally telling the fans you know you know we are we're aware of the canon and the canon is there and we are altering the canon in a way that might make you feel different about it but like it's what's ahead because i don't know i feel like they've asked themselves a lot of deep questions about like the capabilities of these characters like if Sephiroth can do X, Y, and Z thing, and if Cloud can like overcome all these things, like couldn't they like go farther than that? Like, wouldn't there be other like powers at play that would they would like have they would have their presence known in some way that the characters could sense? I feel like mm-hmm. they've just kind of like started scratching deeper under the surface and found that there was maybe even a lot of unanswered questions in the in the original. And I'm just like excited at least at the fact that they're they're willing to like ask what if in a in a very like serious and like committed way, but even just say, so, yeah, like, okay, we're going to like recreate the shot from like the start screen with the sword in the ground and like make that have like a narrative source. And we're going to show our hand for the end of the game and scenes that you would have had to wait a decade for, but we're not going to make you wait, but we're also going to like put you on watch that that might not happen anyways. So in case we don't right. do that, we're at least saying like, we're at least giving you what you probably think you want. Um, it just feels like self-aware in such a detailed way that I have a pretty good amount of faith that they're going to not alter too many of like the milestone moments. You can tell they put their heart and soul into this game. Like, oh yeah, it's, I mean, there's like no debating it in my mind. Yeah. Everything is, there's just so much care, so much care in everything they did i was just watching the characters idle animations today and like i don't know if you've done that like at oh, the, I, I went back to chapter <laughs> 17 and i was i was so i went back to chapter 17 and i had the whole five person party cloud Aerith, tifa barrett red 13 and i was in the vr room and i just stood there for like literally five minutes and i watched their idle animations they have like five minutes of idle like unique idle animations like you spent like so much time doing these like unique animations for all of the characters in your party that have like multiple it's not just like they do the same thing every 30 seconds they're like living they feel like living characters it's so great. yeah yeah i mean so many moments were just they gave me stuff that i could i would never even 
We're not going to have anything to talk about when we actually do. Yeah. No, we'll have plenty. <laughs> we'll have plenty. I think we're getting good stuff. Thank you very much for listening to this special bonus episode of Screen Looking. Uh, it's been four years since we put out an episode. And uh, yeah, thanks to Alex for having this chat with me way back when. We had a lot of fun revisiting our conversation. Always my favorite part of playing video games growing up is getting to chat about them ad nauseum together. So thank you, man. The artwork chosen for this episode was done by the legendary Yoshitaka Amano, one of my personal favorite artists and it comes from their series of silkscreen prints that they did for Final Fantasy VII way back in the day. Featured music comes from the official soundtracks to both Final Fantasy VII Remake, as well as a little bit in there from Final Fantasy VII Rebirth II. Clips used throughout were thanks to gameplay captures by YouTubers Dark Knight Player, Ruba, and Zaynar Aesthetics. Like I said at the top of the show, it's been four years. Does that mean that we're back and that we're going to do more episodes? Not really. Uh, we don't know. <laughs> we needed a beat from things, and we just always wanted to come back to this show when we had a game we both were extremely excited about. We both had the same amount of time to play through it and really gather our thoughts and uh, do it justice. And, you know, that doesn't happen as often as, as it did back in the day. But for now, we just thought we, we had to have something for Final Fantasy VII. And uh, if this is all there is, then that's cool. And if not, well, that's something to look forward to as well. That's just a little bit of an update on kind of where our heads are at. Uh, we, we have talked, We've of course, we've kept in touch ever since, but uh, a lot has changed. For starters, I now work for that game company, a studio that we actually covered in episode 16 years ago on our Games of the Decade bonus episode. So yeah, anything can happen. But I'll save that story for another time. It's a pretty good one. Thanks for sticking around with me all the way to the end here. I'm Andrew Kuhar, signing off. So take care. Take care of each other. And while you're at it, take care of this planet we all live on. 